Guys, what's going on? The Go Figure Podcast and Show. We are live with episode two. Leo Cannell here with my man, Ty, Ty Talbot. And we've got a bonus guest who's going to be making special appearances, Mr. Ben Argyle That's in the best. house. Uh, Ben's going to say uh, funny and crazy things, so he's going to add a lot of value to the show and the podcast. Let's get right to the topics, trending topics. What's going on today? Again, this podcast is for those who want to get their money right, those who want to create an epic life for their family, and uh, maybe you are you know, involved somewhat with our funding company or Funding CEO Academy, or you're just all about getting your money right in that My Figures app, whatever the case, we're here to deliver some value. Let's talk about what's trending right now, my friends. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. Topic number one in the money segment, money, money, money. We've got employers are rethinking the need for college degrees in a tight labor market. Ooh, we're going to get into this about college and what's going on. And our next segment is? We're going to talk week 12, NFL. A lot of movement here this week. Oh, baby. Week 12, what's going on in the NFL? What's going on in our sports segment? And then we got the mindset segment. This one's an interesting one. Hey, maybe you're a relentless small business owner, entrepreneur looking to take that next step. And you're wondering... Is it really good for me to go home for the holidays and kind of remember who I used to be instead of who you're hoping or, or on your way to becoming and friends and family kind of remember you a certain way? We're going to talk about whether you should go home for the holidays if you're an entrepreneur on a journey or whether maybe it makes sense to not do that. So big topic there. And then we've got... We're going to talk about China. Have they had enough? Do the people truly want freedom? Oh, baby. We're going to talk about China. China, my friends. So China, that's going to be fun. Do they want freedom? There's been some crazy protests, crazy things happening over the weekend, right, Ben? You've, this, uh, this is crazy stuff that's going on in China. All right, our next segment is the family segment, and this one is this one's interesting. Ben, we were just talking about buying homes, whether it makes sense, is a, is a good time to buy. And right now, the question is, is the American dream dead? Is the dream of home ownership disappearing? Because right now, as mortgage rates rise, a lot of people are choosing to rent homes rather than buy them because it doesn't make as much sense. And then our final segment of this show, we're going to talk about the actual meaning of financial freedom. And that's going to be fun here because we've got different generations. You know, I'm 42 in that 40s generation with five kids. Ty is uh, just turned uh, the magical number 30, and uh, we'll have two kids here just in a short minute. And uh, Ben has no kids in his early 20s here, and you're still in your early 20s, right? Yeah, 25. 25? 25. Ben was, dang, you were like 20 when we first hired you, weren't you? Yeah. Unbelievable. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into the money, money, money segment here. Employers rethink the need for college degrees. Guys, this is a Wall Street Journal article. Love the Wall Street Journal. Employers are rethinking the need for college degrees. And here are kind of the main points. Google, Delta, and IBM are now saying a college degree is no longer needed. Uh, there's a story about uh, this lady named Lucy. Let me tell you about the story real quick. So she won a scholarship to attend a woman, women in computer science conference. And then she learned about this IT internship at Google. And she eventually says, screw college, drops out of college, and goes through this little internship program with Google. Fast forward a couple years later, she's got a six-figure job at Google, no college degree, and that seems to be a trend that we are definitely seeing happening right now. And, of course, we're going to talk about the fact that there's a boatload of student loan debt. Guys, we look at, you know, thousands of credit reports every single month uh, at Seven Figures Funding, and one of the biggest things we see is student loan debts. So let's talk about it. Like, is college worth it today for most people? What do you think, Ty? I'm going to give that answer that everyone hates and say that it, it really depends. 
right? There's a lot of professions where absolutely, right? If I go to the doctor's office and that doctor's like, yeah, I did some Wikipedia searching and uh, looks like you probably have strep throat. I'm not going to be feeling too confident. But at the same time, a lot of business professionals, a lot of marketing professionals, I don't think that they need to go to college and learn how to draw pictures so that they can get their degree to practice marketing, right? That, no those question. are the ones that upset me. No question. And, and that's kind of the thought, right? There are different professions where you got to get the college degree. If you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be an engineer, a lawyer, you know, I guess teach a, teach a school, become a professor, then of course you've got to get that uh, piece of paper. That's how those programs, how those professions work. But if you're going into business or marketing or social media, like those industries and professions are changing so fast right now that uh, regular college can't even keep up with it. And then how often, Ty, do you feel like people are being taught about business or marketing or even entrepreneurship by someone who's actually never even worked a real job? Every day. <laughs> Every day it's happening. So we're being taught by people who have never been in the real business world, who work 25 hours a week, uh, kind of half-assing it, you know, teaching you about college. And obviously a lot of these colleges, you know, have cr some, uh, some crazy ideologies and ways that they think that uh, might uh, not quite be as accurate as what they're portraying. But certainly when it comes to business, like there's nothing more powerful. I remember I was sitting in... Uh, it was like a marketing class. And uh, this is the University of uh, Utah back in 2000, 2001 or two. No, it would have been 2002. So it was 2002. And this dude walks in. And he's like, hey, guys, guess what? That piece of paper you're working so hard to get, it's going to mean a little bit, but not a lot. Your experience in business is going to mean a lot more. And so he, I go and I, I start this painting business for this little internship company called College Works Painting. I'm going door to door. I'm doing sales. I'm doing marketing. I'm hiring these uh, painters. Luckily, I spoke Spanish. Or I would have been totally screwed because these guys were amazing painters. I was a terrible painter. But learn how to start that business. And that's when I got this entrepreneurship, you know, become a business owner vision and it was that experience that made all the difference. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there are certain things I think back about my time going to college. And yeah, there are a few things that I learned that were applicable. But guess what? Every single one of those things were once I reached the point I was actually in business school. Right. And so I think there is definitely a time for college and, and definitely an advantage of going and learning. But why on earth is someone that's about to embark on 10 years of college to become a doctor why are we making them take these art classes and these history classes that they already took in high school, right? If they want to learn about that, go learn about that. But get to the point and let them start to learn what they actually need to know to practice their profession. No question. I mean, the school system, like, just seems to be broken. Like, look at high school. My daughter's learning calculus and all these crazy things that are requirements for her to graduate and she's never going to work in any of those things. That's not her strength. That's not her passion. She has zero desire. Uh, all of those things, like we have this thing called, you know, a calculator and Google and the internet that don't do that for us. Like, Ben, what, what do you think, man? How valuable is school? You're, you know, you've, you've gone from where you were to now, you know, getting the point where you're earning six figures in your 20s. You know, you've been uh, buying some pretty cool things, hopefully learning some good uh, money skills. But how valuable has, you know, your schooling been versus the actual real, real experience you've got in working in a business? You know, I think a big part of it is how you're brought up, too. You know, oh, yeah. I, I grew up in a family where no one went to college, but most everybody was successful. And it's just kind of what you're driven to do before I even, like in high school, I knew I wasn't going to college. I knew I had a certain path. I focused on that. And I think it comes down to your mindset because if I had a mindset of, I wanted to go learn, put put it in the work in college. It'd be a bit different, but that was totally out of mind. Yeah. Case in point here, Leo. Let, let's try something because Ben and I, we're actually cousins, right? Similar upbringing. The most successful person in our life for many, many years was our grandfather. He, uh, I think maybe he finished high school, but he was the very first buy here, pay here car dealership in all of Utah. But to talk about education, Ben, knowing that we both went to the same school, can you tell, tell me pi? What is pi? Let's hear the digits. We learned a song about it, right? 
3.141592. 3. How many Five times two. have you used that in your real life? <laughs> uh, last weekend. Yeah. Pie. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> 3.141592 slices. That's how applicable school is. And it's yeah. taking storage in your brain. Goodness. 100%. So, and, and it's a lot of like, it's still memorization, like regurgitate. Like that used to matter back in the 80s and 90s because if you could regurgitate the crap that they were teaching you, you know, cool, that made you kind of powerful. But then there's this thing that they came out with. It's the, you know, the cell phone connected, the internet, and I can get those answers. Like it's crazy. Like my, my 10-year-old asked me this question, like, what are you asking me for? Ask Google. Google knows everything, right? Don't, there's no need for people not to know. And so now what becomes more important isn't to memorize crap, but actually to be able to make great decisions and have a vision and deliver value to, and learn how to sell. Like how much is, is selling even taught in school at all? Not for me. And how much has selling made you guys? At this point in my career, at least 1.5, if not more. I mean, like the majority and every every successful business owner out there has to be able to sell, right? You've got Elon Musk, who's, you know, been able to create this amazing uh, car that's electric. He has SpaceX and, and he's constantly having to convince people sales skills are so valuable. Obviously, everything we do in life is related to sales. And yet again, it's not taught in school. Credit. We talk about this all the time. Credit is not taught in school. Money, finance, all these things. And there's some really good universities, you know, here in, in Utah. You went to BYU. I went to Utah, which is funny because, you know, BYU and Utah usually hate each other. But, you know, we work work well together. My wife loves BYU too, by the way. But they still aren't teaching the most important things. Those are the things that should be the required, you know, general electives that you should be learning about and yet they're not. So anybody, hey, if you guys are watching this, you know, share your comments. We want to know what you're thinking. If you're watching this on the replay, we will check these replays uh, out as well in the comments that you share. But uh, let us know what your thoughts are about this topic. And I think in a lot of ways, college is not the right fit for a lot of people. If you're going down one of those traditional routes, you want to become a doctor, an attorney, etc., obviously that's the way to go. Uh, my son, uh, Lucas, who's worked worked for us for a few years at Seven Figures Funding, is studying engineering. Okay, you've got to get that engineering degree if you want to become an engineer. That's how those programs work. Fine, fine. That's That's great. But if you're going into business, marketing, sales, some other things, maybe something you should reconsider. And there's a lot of online programs that you can actually learn a lot more from. All right, time to go into our sports segment, Ty. What is going on in week 12? What are the updates here? And, uh, boy, what's what's happening? Well, Thanksgiving was awesome. That was a, a great, great, great day of football. Um, the Lions found a way to lose again. Somehow they <laughs> are the best, best, best team in the NFL at finding ways to lose. Um, our, our guy, Jamal Williams, BYU product, found a way to – Get in the end zone again, so that was great. He's having and, a great year. Yeah, it was. I loved how the NFL put a lot of attention on John Madden. Like that guy loved Thanksgiving, and yeah, it almost made me emotional when they were doing that. Yeah. John Madden, uh, they were mem remembering him. Excuse me, yeah. and his son was the one that was talking, and it got pretty emotional. But it was uh, an awesome day for football. Uh, the Cowboys look pretty good. They, they still look, they look good. Look really good, and. Uh, Got a little scary, but the, the bad advice I gave last week uh, panned out. Vikings came out on top. Yes, Closer game than I thought, but they uh, took care of business. They did, and, and uh, the Bills, I uh, was watching that Bills game, uh, streaming it to my phone, and, you know, when when I go to Idaho for Thanksgiving with my wife's family, uh, they always kind of, like, uh, occupy the entire local LDS church there. We go in there in the basketball area there, and, and no TVs, but luckily – Boy, just magical that NFL app. You can stream it. And so we were sitting there watching as it uh, as the Bills, boy, didn't it? it was like 30 seconds left, and Josh Allen delivers a strike to Stephon Diggs, and they take it down. They kick the game-winning field goal after um, – who are they playing? The uh, Bills are playing the Lions. Oh, there it was. Yeah, they were playing the Lions. Yeah, the Lions were playing really well, and uh, they, they, they tied it up and then – 
course, the Bills won the game. So that was a great game. Vikings with a huge win. Cowboys, big win. All right, so for a lot of this season, I've been thinking, are the Eagles for real? Are they really legit? Are they going to be one of those top uh, teams that goes into the playoffs and, and, and loses? You know, where do you think the Eagles are at? Obviously, Jalen Hurts had a monster game. You know, this this may not be a popular opinion here, but I I still think the Eagles are just okay. Their their schedule is not great. It's a very easy schedule, and this is not a good Packers team. This no. is one of the worst defenses in the NFL yeah. and a very mediocre offense with a broken Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and that was still a very close game. Yeah, I mean, didn't Green Bay still score like 33 points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a... Right there till the end, a, a one possession game, and you know the the key with beating the Eagles, like we learned, that was th- what two weeks ago. You've got to have linebackers that can run, and the the Packers don't. They've got those big bruisers that couldn't run with Jalen Hurts. That that's it. Yeah, if you've got an athletic, uh, you know, linebacker in that front seven, and you can stop the run, I feel like that's where you can you can if you make them one dimensional and they can't run the ball. And they've got to throw it, and, and you stop Jalen from running, which is way easier said than done because he's a <laughs> tremendous athlete. Yeah. I didn't know he was six foot one. I don't know. I thought he was maybe six foot three or six foot four, but this dude's six foot one, 225, in amazing shape, and, uh, and playing, you know, really, really well. You know who else is uh, playing really, really well? Um, Tua. Yeah. Talk to us. What is going on? Is Tua M- an MVP candidate this year? You know, what, what's going to hurt Tua when it comes to the MVP voting and whatnot is those those games that he missed during that whole concussion yeah. protocol that was crazy. issue. Um, I mean, statistically, though, yeah, he is putting up MVP-type numbers. But unfortunately, because he plays for the Dolphins and because he missed those two games, nobody's going to vote for Tua when Pat Mahomes is having the kind of season he is. That's true. That's true. Patrick Mahomes is playing unbelievable lights out My my 10-year-old, who's a quarterback, loves this guy, just always trying to imitate everything he does, and just such such a great leader. Just And, and we were talking about this last week, about uh, the leadership where when things go wrong and, and they lose, Andy Reid's accountable. We talked about Pat, Patrick Mahomes follows that example. He takes the blame when things don't go well. And uh, then he uh, gives the credit to everybody else when when they get these wins. And then you look at someone like uh, like Zach Wilson, the Jets, who didn't, who got benched. And uh, is Zach Wilson done? With the Jets, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. A lot of people in Utah obviously ruining for Zach Wilson, maybe especially at the beginning of his career. But he's kind of losing uh, that luster and uh, certainly seems like he's lacking some values and principles that it takes to lead. You know, Ben, any any thoughts about this uh, football season? Anybody you like out there? Any players that, you know, have caught your eye and you're like, dang, that guy's playing well? You know, not really. Haven't been been following too much, but get to go to my first first game next weekend, so pretty stoked about that. Well, wait, what game are you going to? We're going to the Dolphins 49ers. Oh, baby. Okay, what about these 49ers, Ty? I think they are – that's a team that I think is very dangerous. And if they get into the playoffs and I see the Eagles play the 49ers, I'm taking the 49ers all day and, and twice on Sunday, by the way. Yeah, that's uh, – we're going to find out next week how real they are. I, I think we've proven the Dolphins are for real. Um, there's no question about that. The 49ers have been making statements, but, I mean, shutting out a very, very, very poor offense in the Saints. Eh, I mean, the thing is they did drive multiple times, got into the red zone, but then credit to their yeah. defense, they stepped up, they made plays, and they shut them out. Shutting anyone out in the NFL is pretty remarkable. That but, is, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're But their offense scary. seems inconsistent a little bit, though, too. Yeah, they are. They are. It's, it's going to – come down to one of the best offenses versus one of the best defenses and it's going to be an exciting game and leo i do i i made a promise to uh to my boy scott that i i yeah. would publicly apologize <laughs> for t- um <laughs> the patriots are a little better than i thought mac jones is playing a little better than i anticipated bill's still one of the greatest coaches not just all time but currently in the nfl um they still lost so oh, i was yeah. right but 
they put up a better fight than I anticipated. Yeah, so. they did. They, they played the Vikings uh, pretty tough there, and they were able to move the ball, but ultimately the Vikings got the win, and, boy, they, they do look uh, tough, but you do kind of wonder about the Vikings' defense. I mean, giving up a lot of points to a Patriots team that's really – is their offense that good? Do they have that that kind of start? No. No, they don't. Not, no. not in my opinion. So who would you, who would you if you're going to do your top five teams, I think this is what we do every week, what are the top five teams right now in the NFL if you had to rank them? In this order, I would go Chiefs. Number one? Yep. Okay. They're the best team. Yep. I would go Dolphins, number Ooh, two. Okay. I would go Cowboys, number three. Yeah. Eagles, number four. Okay. And the Bills, number five. Okay. That makes sense. Maybe the Vikings down there at six yep. or something. Yeah, okay. exactly right. That's pro- that's that seems very accurate to me. So, guys, that's where we're at with uh, the sports segment. Anything else as we transition from the sports segment? Last thing I'll add is I I know USA is playing right now in the World Cup and Darn it's right they are. it's win or go home. Now I, no I more haven't heard anybody screaming. Our our teams <laughs> across the wall here and the the flat screens up there. I haven't heard anyone screaming, so I'm guessing we're probably looking at a zero to zero game. Yeah, John, yeah. you got the score for us. What are we, what are we seeing out there? We zero zero still. If I know soccer, it's zero zero, oh, baby. And hey, they're going to tie. Wait, it's nil nil. Oh yeah, nil nil. Nil-nil, guys. Nil-nil. Just a little update for you right there with the game. All right, let's move on to our mindset segment. Ben, you were talking about mindset. The way you think determines who you become, who you are, what you do. Change the way you think. Change your life. So I was watching this interesting video. A guy I've been uh, watching a lot lately is Alex Hormozzi. He built this uh, this uh, nine-figure, $100 million business. He has this book out uh, called Building $100 Million Offers. Uh, he started this uh, this company called Gym Launch where he taught gym owners how to build their business up. And I was going through, and I've been just doing a deep dive, learning everything I can. It's kind of what I do. I, I like find someone to follow, obviously. Uh, love Patrick, but David, follow a lot with him. But I've been following a lot and, and lear- watching, learning from Alex Hermosi. And he had this video come out right before Thanksgiving that said, why I don't go home for the holidays. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I wonder why. Because sometimes, you know, you go home and you see old friends and old family members and they kind of look at you for who you used to be, for the things you used to do. Oh, he's, he does this crazy stuff. Let me give you an example. So in Beaver, where I'm from, and Beaver is a big metropolis down there in, in southern Utah, 3,000 people, maybe maybe up to 3,200 now, and a great community, great people there, good values and principles, good, you know, I, I actually enjoyed uh, growing up there. We had great friends, and, and I've had friends that have gone, you know, across the world, a lot of friends in the medical industry, my best friend there. Uh, his dad was the town doctor, and he's uh, been a doctor in the Army, serving the armed forces. He lives in Germany uh, with his uh, wife and their three daughters, but but great people. That said, though, when you get together with, with old friends and family, sometimes, you know, you're together with people that, you know, if, the, if you didn't have the same blood, you might not even ever hang out. Uh, to be honest. And so he talked about he would go there and people would look at him like, oh, Alex, yeah, you're you're like this. You always do this. Or, you know, you're the guy who, you know, is is uh, just losing his mind at a party and, and you're you're hammered all the time. And, and then and, and he looks at him, he's like, I haven't you know, drank in, in a year. I've been sober. Don't don't even don't even put me in that uh, category. Don't even look at me like that. So people speak into existence like you're this, you're in this box, you're this type of person. And if you're really living life right and you're growing and you're changing, sometimes you go back there and it's not a good situation and it puts your mind in this. So that, that's what he was talking about. And, and for him, he feels like it takes him a week to return back to being his old self. And like he'll stop someone. Someone will say, oh, you're this, your business is like this, or, or you're this type of person. He'll stop and say, no, I, I'm not that person. I haven't done that in eight years. I'm never going to do it again. And so he'll stop them and say, that's not me. That's not how I live. Like, what do you guys think about this? What are the pros and cons? And and how do you deal with family? Is this a good idea if you're a small business owner? Is it, is it the bad idea? Is it case by case? Depends. What do you think? 
I absolutely think it's case by case type of scenario. Cause I think for a lot of people remembering where they came from is just as therapeutic, um, seeing how far they've climbed out of the hole or going back and remembering their why, right? For me, I go home, I see my family, I see my friends and it's refreshing. I'm rejuvenated. I remember my why. I remember the goals that I set as a young boy. I go see my old bedroom and I have these flashbacks and it's, it's very, very refreshing. I agree. And I, and I think there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity to be a positive influence and help someone. As kind of a, a weird, crazy example, so you know, we went back uh, to Idaho, uh, where my wife's family is from, and uh, one of her family members had actually just gone through this crazy thing in the last week, where uh, literally an ex ex boyfriend had pulled a gun on her and stuck it at her head, and and she's sharing this with us, and it's emotional. And so for us, it was an opportunity. How can we support and help her and the rest of her family? And, you know, her parents got divorced and, and things have not been easy uh, for them. And, and so we really as a family tried to how can we support? How can we help her? And then how can we, you know, be a positive influence and share values and principles? There are true. There are people that have had the toughest upbringing and have been able to come out of it and realize who they are. And then they help others do the same. And I think that's the opportunity, too. Like, we've got to be strong enough to help some of these people out of these situations and then teach them the same things. Like, uh, you know, obviously, this podcast, we talk about money. And there's a lot of misinformation about money and credit. So I feel like that's part of our calling is to teach them and and to help them and support them. And, and you know, Ed Milet talks about this uh, all the time. He says sometimes... It's your job to become the one in your family, the one who leads, the one who sets an example, the one who does build that business empire that does make a positive impact, that teaches others. I was watching this webinar called Generational Wealth, How to Create Generational Wealth for Your Family, and it talked about families like the Kennedys and the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts and the Carnegies who built these empires, but then they would teach their family members and their relatives, and it would kind of bring everybody out of poverty and all these difficult situations that they were in. And that's your opportunity, I think, where you can share your mindset. Ben, what are some of like the important mindsets? I mean, you're young, successful, you know, getting better every day, every year. What are some of the mindset principles that people, especially in their 20s, there's a lot of lost uh, young men out there, and that's why a lot of them have gravitated to people like an Andrew Tate. What are some of the mindset principles that you believe can help 20-year-olds, especially young men, to get their life in a right place and, and find success and happiness? You know, I think, I think my biggest mindset is just always, my grandpa always liked to tell us, growth, if you're not growing, what are you doing? And as long as you're trying to improve yourself, improve people around you, and learn at the same time. I think that's just the number one I focus on. Um, I think I, I was seeing a cool video the other day on my thread that talked about the three classes, you know, the lower class, middle class, upper class, and it really just comes down to not how much money you have, how much money you make, but it's your mindset about the money. The lower class is more so mindset of, I need to make money to pay bills. Middle class is more so need to make money, earn good credit so I can use my credit to buy things to pay it over time, you know, things I want. And then the rich, the upper class, they're all about making their money, make money for them. And it's just the mindset of what you look at money as. Oh, so powerful, Ben. Beautifully said. You know, people are just trying to get by, pay the bills, kind of in that lower. Oh, now I, I need to build my credit just so I can buy and have stuff and keep up with the Joneses. But the top 1% are how can I get more money to buy more assets and things that make me money? 100%. Because as Warren Buffett says, if you're not making money while you're asleep, you will work for your money for the rest of your life. Ty, what, do you, what are some of the mindset um, you know, qualities you've seen that have made a massive difference in your life? I would say the, the biggest mindset piece for me that I've 
constantly, constantly hit on and I have to work on and remind myself every day is just being dependable, ultimately doing what I say I'm going to do. And whether that's for my wife, for my son, for my colleagues, for my employees, if you are someone that does what you say you are going to do, you will be successful because you'll gain the trust of everyone around you. You, They know that they, they can count on you no matter what. That's so sure. powerful. Yeah. That's, the, that's number one. And when we started thinking about what are our company values and principles going to be here at Seven Figures, we, we said, hey, we're going to do what we say we're going to do. And we did that because the previous company we were all a part of didn't do that. They broke their word. They didn't follow through with partners. They didn't follow through with employees. And so for our team and the people that we serve and love, like when we say we're going to do something, we're going to move heaven and earth to make sure that we make that happen. And if something gets in the way, we're for sure going to let them them know. We're going to fix it. We're going to do everything possible to make it right. And at the end of the day, when you do that, it puts you in the top 5% of every category because 95% will never do it. They don't follow through. They don't keep their word. They don't do what they say they're going to do. And the reputation suffers. And those are the companies that have the two, 2.3 stars or the 3.3 star reviews because they don't follow through. And it starts from the top. And then you've got to make sure everybody else is accountable to doing it as well. Well, speaking of accountability, as we move from the mindset segment to the politics segment, And this one's kind of a little bit about uh, world politics and interesting. Um, I always keep an eye on China as much as a lot of people in the U.S. talk about, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia. We've got to really be concerned about Russia. I still believe the fact of the matter is Russia's economy is like the 10th or 11th uh, largest economy in the world, about the same size as France. And while, yes, they've got a lot of uh, weapons and whatnot, They don't have the capability that the second largest economy in the world does, which is China. And over the weekend, here's the article that came out about China. And this this is kind of crazy, this article that came out. This is a Wall Street Journal article, and the article says, Chinese protests put Xi Jinping, the, uh, the Chinese president or emperor, whatever he is, in a bind. And so here's what it says. President Xi Jinping faces a difficult choice between loosening China's zero-tolerance COVID-19 policy or doubling down on restrictions that have locked down neighborhoods and stifled the country's economy over the past three years. So this is, this is crazy. So basically, over the last three years, even though a lot of the world has kind of moved on from the pandemic and learned to live with it and gotten vaccines out and tried to help people out, et cetera, et cetera. China is still kind of living this zero COVID policy. And so that means they shut everything down. And here's what's crazy. This uh, this last week, there was this Chinese apartment in the city and they basically locked everybody in, literally locked all their doors. You can't leave your apartment. And the apartment has a fire and these people are stuck in there and 10 people die, including uh, some young uh, three-year-old kid. And, and this is what's happening. And so the people of China have kind of decided, hey, enough is enough. We need more freedom. We've got to be free to work and take care of our family. And so they are actually protesting. And it's so dangerous to go out and protest. You go protest and uh, the authorities get you. You may never come back. You may disappear permanently. And that's what happens when you live in a government like that. According to this article and according to some of the so-called experts out there who study China a lot, they're saying that it's really difficult for the people right now. And uh, here's what's crazy. So we've all been watching the World Cup. And as soon as this podcast is over, we're going to go watch the uh, the end of the U.S.-Iran game. But right now, China and its people were watching the World Cup over the last week. And they're like, wait a second, people are at this game, they're not wearing masks, they don't seem to be worried. Why are we shut down and locked in our apartments and we can't do anything and they can't take care of their families? And then they've had issues apparently with uh, the, the housing market where they put all this money up to housing into this, this uh, Evergrande company and they didn't actually build their houses for them. So what do you guys think? Like, what would it be like to live and and not have the freedom and how much do we take our freedoms for granted here in the US 
Yeah, it'd be scary. That I think that's the initial word and thought that comes to my mind is I constant fear you're living in. And, you know, there are some things that maybe we don't love about what's going on with our government or our economy or our freedoms per se. But at the end of the day, you look at the second biggest economy in the world and you realize how free we actually are. And it's just scary to see that people are still in 2000 and 2022 living like that. It's scary. Crazy. Ben, what would it be like for you if you're like locked in an apartment you can't go out and work. You can't take care of it. You can't do anything. Three years later, like, what would you be willing to do at that point, do you think? I think I'd just be pissed off. Yeah. And be very, very mad. Yeah, 100%. Mad enough to where enough is enough, and these people are stepping up, and they're protesting. In fact, according to what this article says and other experts about China, it's been over 30 years since there's been protests like these. Uh, and the last time it was was in 1989 in Tiananmen Square. And this is, if you remember in history class, where they basically had all of the uh, the big um, the big tanks, and the tanks are going down, and people are protesting, and these tanks literally just running over regular people uh, who were protesting at Tiananmen Square um, wherever that's located in China. And so this is the biggest protesting that's happened. I guess what's baffling to me is you're not hearing a lot about this in a lot of areas, the wall street journal, uh, some really areas, some, you know, uh, media companies that love freedom that are talking about it, but you know, you're not hearing a lot of other people talking about it. It was odd to me. I was watching this video of Steve Kerr, the, amazing championship coach for the Golden State Warriors, and they ask him about this, and he, you know, the NBA is very much uh, concerned about China. China's a big part of their business model, and he came out and essentially said, well, you know, I we don't need to talk about that. Maybe we should be talking about, you know, people uh, with guns who are shooting up malls and, and how bad that is, and we've got our own problems to worry about, but didn't seem to want to support you know, the Chinese people going for freedom. You guys think about that. Just based on some uh, past comments from Steve Kerr, it's not all that surprising, to tell you the truth. It's it's disappointing, but not surprising is what I think. And, you know, it's kind of a scary dilemma. As a father to a one-and-a-half-year-old son and about to have another son born in the next week or two, I, I, I try and think about how I would act, and, and sadly – out of fear, I probably would just comply and sit at home because I feel like I have to be there for my boys. But it, you know, if you're that 25 year old with no family, do you, do you hit the streets and do you start actually letting your voice be heard? I, I don't know. It's, it's a scary, it's, it's tough. And then the other thing I think about was we've got this uh, ongoing war in Ukraine and, and there's a possibility of nuclear weapons. I started thinking I've got, you know, all my boys are young. But what if there turns into a World War III and they have to go fight? And then you've got China and Taiwan. What if there's a war there? I mean, those those are things I think about. And so whatever we can all do to promote freedom and avoid wars, that's definitely something that I'm all about. So that said, let's transition here into the family segment. And obviously, we're all about you know getting your money right, taking care of your family, Politics plays uh, its role there, and, and so we want to support anybody who wants to support small business owners and freedom. That's somebody politically I can get behind. But let's talk about families. Right now, families are dealing with really high inflation. Last week, we talked about the fact that you know a lot of families are going to have to get really creative for Christmas. They're going to have to pull back. They're going to have to rewrap some of last year's presents for kids because it's so darn expensive with gas and other things. And a lot of people didn't adjust. They made a little bit more money, and then they spent a lot more money. But right now, mortgage rates are rising, and more people are actually choosing to rent than buy. This is also a Wall Street Journal article here. Uh, cute uh, picture here of the family here and uh, the Christmas uh, tree. And it just says, basically, let me uh, pull up some of the highlights here. All right, so there was a couple that had dreamed of owning their own home and putting down roots, but after calculating the cost of a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage on a three-bedroom home in their market, they instead went with a new community of single-family rentals uh, in a place called Brentwood run by American Homes for Rent, 
And uh, just in- incredible here. We did the math and found the cost of a mortgage, home insurance, and taxes would be $1,500 more a month than the cost of renting a very similar home, says the 42-year-old whose monthly rent is now $2,200 a month. We decided to wait until mortgage rates drop before buying a house. It's just not economical right now. And nationally, it now costs $888 a month more to buy an entry-level single-family home than it does to rent it. Are we becoming a renter nation? Is the American dream of owning a home dead? I don't think it's dead. I just think we're in this very, very unique spot right now where the home prices haven't um, decreased enough to justify the current interest rates. And so, you know, maybe renting for a short period could be the right move for the time being because the home prices have to, they have to come down to be able to match these increased interest rates. But at the same time, you look at that difference of say it's an extra $800 a month, but in all reality, if over the next 30 years you're paying rent versus paying off a mortgage, you can always refi your mortgage, right? Rates drop back down, you refi, you're, you're fine, you're set. But the problem is buying when rates are very, very high and home prices are still extremely high. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea to rent for maybe the next six months to a year, but I don't think a long-term rental plan would ever be a, a wise plan. See, long term, you're going to, for most families, the biggest, uh, you know, location of their wealth is found in their home. Like, that's just a fact. And for everybody that did buy in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years that's sitting on a home with a whole bunch of equity into it, they're feeling pretty good about that. And so sometimes what you see in the media Sometimes you want to do the opposite, right? You want to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And so I think over the next uh, couple years, if you're out there and you're watching the real estate market, and I know our man Ben here is, and Ty and I for sure are too, you're going to see opportunities to get a good deal on a property come up. There's a lot. Most economists are forecasting a recession. Like, uh, you know, we had a kind of an official recession because we had two quarters of negative growth here in the U.S. um, in the the first and second quarter. And then we had growth here in the third quarter. Uh, But you didn't see the unemployment. You didn't see the job losses. And so a lot of economists are forecasting you're going to see those job losses happen and unemployment tick up a few percentage points in 2023. And when that does that's when a lot of opportunities are going to be out there to get a property. So I would say from what we're hearing from the experts is hold tight. And then what will happen is as unemployment goes up, what generally will happen to interest rates? They're going to come down. They're going to come down. Exactly. Oh, oh, we stopped inflation. Inflation's coming down. People are losing jobs. Companies are slowing down. Now we're going to pull interest rates down to increase growth. And when that happens, there's going to be a storm in there that's going to be a good opportunity. And if you're looking, I guess the other thing you're saying here is more people are choosing to rent. A lot of people in your guys' generations, they want flexibility and they feel like if they have a home, they're kind of stuck. Um, What are you seeing with that, Ben? What is your generation uh, thinking in terms of flexibility and, and ability to move around? What are you seeing with that? I think that's a big part, being tied down to one place. You know, it's not always great, but it definitely can be. Um, I think a lot of us also feel like we may have missed the boat on a lot of opportunities and want to see that boat sail by again. But at the same time, it's always a good time. you gotta, you got to jump on it. But I think it comes down to your return on a lot of that situation too. You know, if you're – having to pay an extra $800,000 for a home where you could put that other money elsewhere to make a, a faster return because, you know, mortgages, homes are always going to make a return, but it just depends how fast you need it to happen. You know, I think that's a big part, just what your, your goals are on your returns. Let, let's talk about real estate strategies real quick here. We've got, got a few minutes here uh, before we finish up and talk about our final topic of financial freedom, what that means to each of us. But when it comes to real estate, the mistake people made, and this is a mistake I made, is you're young, you can finally buy that home. We were just kind of talking about this, Ben. You're like, oh, I'm going to buy the nicest home I can. I'm going to be house poor, and that's going to be awesome, but I'll have this beautiful home. 
And that's not what you want to do. What you want to do is you want to buy a very affordable home that you can eventually rent out, pay that mortgage down, watch that property value go up, have the tax benefits of writing off that interest and depreciating that property on your taxes, and add more of those to your portfolio. That's what you want. You want homes that you can rent out, apartments, condos that you can rent out, uh, Airbnb properties and great locations that you can earn tremendous income from. That's where it's at. Because then when times like these happen, everybody who is out there trying to do, oh, I'm a flipper, flipper, flipper. Well, they're getting flipped. They're getting flipped right now because they can't sell that flip. Rates went up, the value went down, but everybody who has rental properties are like, I'm chilling. I got my mortgage paid for. Over time, I know I'm going to win. Properties are going to go up over time. They might come down a little bit for the next year or two, and then they'll keep on going back up. I'm going to make my income. I'm going to write it off. I'm going to have tax benefits. I'm going to win this game because it's a cash flow deal. Ty, you did exactly that. Tell everybody what you did and how you built a real estate empire. Yeah, so I, I bought my first home in 2014, and it was it was a pretty bummy house. And I lived there for quite a few years. I, I think it was three or four years, and I did the whole fix it up while I lived there. And I was making really good money and ha- constantly had to live with the, man, homes are so cheap right now. Ty, you're making such good money. Why are you living in the shithole? Well, I had a plan. I had a game plan that I wanted to execute. I had goals. I had visions. And so... I did the old, you know, fix it up, rent it out, move to the next one, leverage the HELOC on that property and get a rental property, leverage the HELOC, get another one, get another one. So at this point now, I've gotten to the point where I have two and a quarter single families that are rented out. And then I have four different Airbnb properties, a handful of them with you. Um, and one, one of the biggest things I would say is just understanding the current economy, understanding the current real estate market. One of the, the most recent strategies that we took advantage of is understanding the way seller, seller financing works. Oh, yeah. Right. It's a huge advantage right now because rates are so high and the housing market is still oddly competitive in this weird way. And so what we did is we went out and we found people want to do seller financing so they can get that lump sum payment and still make that interest instead of the bank making it. And so we're finding a home, recently dropped their price. We go to them and say, okay, well, we'll, we'll pay you that initial amount. We want seller financing with 2.99 over five years, then we'll refi it. And we've been able to get into a property. I have a close friend that's doing this all day, every day, and he's actually he's making awesome. a killing right now. So find those seller financing homes right now if you do need to buy. It's all about cash flow, getting into properties that make way more than what your expenses are, the mortgage, the taxes, the fix up. You're going to have a great benefit on your taxes and add those. If that's all you did, that's how people earn, you know, wealth. And that's how they obtain financial freedom, which is our final segment and topic here. And this is uh, this is our freedom section. So it's our final section of the podcast here. Freedom. What is financial freedom for you? Define that. How do you know if you're if you've got it or if you're getting close to it? Um, let's start with you, Ben. What is financial freedom to you, and and how would you define it? You know, I think when you're to the point where you're not worried about next month's mortgage payment, car payment, I think that's a big part of it. When your money's making money for you, um, and you're able to help others and give back, I think that that gets to the point where you can be free. Amen. I like that. That's that's a level of financial freedom because most people in this country are living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not sure if it's 60 or 70%, but it's a, it is over 50% are living paycheck to paycheck. They don't have much in the in the way of savings and if they go through a tough spot, like they're going to be in a tough spot. And so first it starts with, you know, spending less than you earn staying within your means and then getting that savings going and eliminating bad debt and under, and hopefully having good debt. Good debt is, is stuff. We talk about this every day. It's seven figures funding. Good debt makes you money, right? Money that you take out for a business, for that real estate rental property, good debt, money that you take out to keep up with the Joneses and have that uh, you know expensive home, expensive car, the vacations, the clothes, the furnishings, 
just basically flushing your money down the toilet. And when you get to a certain point, of course, you can get those things, but it always comes down to being able to sacrifice and and basically, um, forget what the term is, but this term where you're, you're waiting for the better time to do it and you're, you're putting off your instant, gra- you're delaying your gratification, delaying that instant gratification for something much better. How would you define it, Ty? Yeah, the... One of my favorite quotes, I, I think it's P.T. Barnum, is that right? Yeah. P.T. Barnum says, money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. And for me, financial freedom is when I have zero feelings whatsoever of being a servant to my money. When I am a true master of my finances, of my money, of my net worth, that's financial freedom to me. But, but beyond that, not just the money, having a skill set that I've developed that I know I always can go out and earn and generate and make more money if I need to, that's financial freedom. No question. And that's where you talk about a lot of successful people like, if I lost it all today, I'm not afraid because I have earned all of these skills, skill sets that are valuable in terms of being able to sell, in terms of creating products that change people's lives and how to deliver them. I've got the right values and principles to attract and and build a team. Those are the things that are going to create financial freedom. And for me, as I define financial freedom, I think about being able to look at the first day of a month and know that I have enough recurring revenue, passive income coming in from business, from real estate that no matter what, the bills are paid for. I've covered my nut, as Kevin Leary says, and and I don't have to worry about those things, but you have to constantly be building it. You know, everybody who says, oh, I'm going to retire and live on a beach, and you see a lot of those people try to do that, they lose momentum and then eventually are brought back because they stop taking the actions that got them to that place in the first place. And that's constantly getting better. That's adding your cash flow from properties, from businesses. It's constantly adding value. It's building a personal brand. That's a requirement today. You have to build a personal brand. You have to build your business brand. And it's constantly building up your network, which is your net worth. If you want to be successful, hang out with five really successful people and follow what they're doing, and you will become that person and that's why, you know, who you hang out with and finding good and great mentors is so important. Well, guys, it's been an amazing episode two on the Go Figure podcast. Guys, if you like this, make sure you subscribe. Uh, share this with other small business owners, entrepreneurs, those who are looking to get their money right, those who want to create a better life for their family, those who want to have the right mindset. And let's build this community up here. As we build this community up, we're going to have events in the future. Um, We're going to continue to obviously talk about what it takes to get your money right. And, of course, you can also check out uh, the MyFigures.com money app as uh, a great, great start to start getting your money right. It's funny, I was going through the spending portion of that app uh, just uh, yesterday on Sunday, and it was crazy. I was identifying all these different ways that I was kind of wasting money that I need to eliminate, and uh, it's just such a powerful way to get your money right. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.